Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. I'm on. Well, there was absolutely no, there was no beep at all. None. Not even that little piddling one. We've been starting the show this way all week. Something's wrong with my beep. The good thing I wasn't sitting here, you know, I don't know, doing something untoward. Hi, I guess the show started, unbeknownst to me. Um, It's, uh, what, January 27th. And I promise I won't talk about dinosaur anuses today. Okay, we'll uh, we'll get back to our our usual fodder of uh, of despair. <laughs> oh God, you know I um I got a, a surprise in the in the mail uh, yesterday, and um, it was the most recent book my brother wrote, and. Uh, he had sent me a hard copy. I guess I don't know that it's quite out on hard copy yet. And um, it's um, it's such an indication of that there's something sort of genetic or familial in my um, gloomy uh, outlook on things. As a matter of fact, I the word gloomy popped out because. It's part of the subtitle of his new book, Outrageous Fortune, because it's uh, the the, uh, subtitle is Gloomy Reflections on Luck and Life. And man, he be gloomy, but funny as hell. So I I just started reading the first few pages of the introduction and I was laughing out loud. So it's this, he should have been a stand-up comic. It's this, uh, I don't know what to say, but I'm going to, I'm going to read it. Unlike Larry King, I'm going to read it and uh, I'll have him, I'll have him on because uh, it's pretty damn good. If you want to, uh, you know, order it yourself, books are so pricey now, it's ridiculous. And and um, it, it's, uh, again, uh, outrageous fortune and uh publisher is oxford university press um, i mean the the critical stuff is i jeez really impressive listen to this it's one of the things on the back jacket i'm sorry i'm just going to brag about my brother it's worth buying for the introduction I'm not kidding you. Um, here's something from a woman named Annalise Acorn. The name. One occasionally hears the claim that Milton was the last human to have read every book there was, and hence the last person whose writing was informed by the entirety of the literary and cultural tradition to which he contributed. 
one has a sense that William Ian Miller holds a similarly rarefied position. The vast sweep and extraordinary intricacy of his knowledge of intellectual and literary history are so singular that one wonders whether anyone will ever achieve this state of learning and capacity to hold it all at once and comment intricately on its dark corners ever again. Uh, yeah, my, my brother knows everything um, about a million things and he somehow, yeah, he, so that's why he wows, um, he wows the literary elite and the uh, philosophical elite and all of that. The Wall Street Journal said of this book, Miller is a prankster, a tease, an imp of the perverse. Yes, that he is. So anyway, I got to tell you, man, he is so depressed. <laughs> but it's funny. And I suppose it's true that often people who have this sort of dark view of, of life and reality um, and in his case, it's his aging that has really sent him into a state of total despair. But uh, I think I'm uh, I'm optimistic compared to him. It's not easy having a big brother who was who this who this is who he was. So he informed a lot of my my growing up. I mean, he's only what. Uh, He's only 15 months older than me. No, 18 months older than me. And um, yeah, this gloomy voice, because he had it even as a kid, uh, was in my head all the time. And uh, and because he was funny too, and uh, perform, you know, he helped make me the wreck I am. But anyway, I'm sorry. It was just sitting here, and uh, I want to give it a plug. It's uh, it's good. I mean, the inter the first three pages of the introduction are good. He is such a funny writer. God, I mean, it's like, well, it is. Whatever. Okay, I'm sorry. So let's get into the gloominess that I traffic in. Uh. I have to say, I I guess hope that phrase "hope springs eternal," even in a even in a melancholy, depressive like me, there still is, yeah, the capacity for for hope. And um, after the Capitol riot, um, the attempted coup. The uh, I have to admit, I had a glimmer of hope that Republicans, <laughs> how silly of me to even put hope and Republicans in the same sentence, but I did. I did. I thought the fact that they themselves were the victims of this attack, that they were terrified, that they ran for their lives, that, you know, ever the people were killed, there was blood on the floor. I thought maybe this might wake them up to what they have helped 
along the aiding and abetting of uh, Donald Trump. And it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. They've already moved on. Ted Cruz called the uh, impeachment effort petty. (laughs) Petty. Impeaching a president who clearly fomented a violent attack on the legislative branch of government that did result in uh, in death, police officer being beaten to death by these Trump terrorists. These are terrorists. And Ted Cruz thinks impeaching a president for that is petty. Okay. And uh, latest opinion polls show that among Republicans, Trump's uh, approval rating has actually ticked up a little bit since he left. So um, there is no reformation uh, for the Republican Party. It has. It has sold its soul and it's sticking with the deal. It's just sticking with the deal. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So that is a a reality, a political reality that will make it very difficult for Democrats who ostensibly control the Congress and the White House. It will make it extremely difficult to get the agenda they want through. So a dose of reality here, really. The Republicans have made the calculation so soon after the horror we witnessed on January 6th have already clearly made the calculation that they have to stick with Trump. Wow. Wow. So they've handed their party over to him. Those who find that, you know, uh, unpalatable have, are starting to decamp. Uh, Throughout the country, states are reporting that uh, people are changing their registration from Republican to independent or Democrat. They're just refusing to uh, be party to this party any longer. I mean, by the thousands, it's I, I wish someone would sort of try to try to find all those numbers and uh, and do a piece on it. Maybe it's been done, but and I haven't seen it. But some are leaving. But quite clearly, there is no stomach in this party that sold its soul to use this opportunity of hitting bottom, (laughs) 
of hitting bottom on January 6th to attempt to start to redeem itself. It's not going to do it. Senator after senator has found uh, a way to hide, a way to not apologize for it, to... uh, I was looking at what was the disgusting thing that um, the repellent uh, senator from my home state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, said about the impeachment. Why are we doing this? I can't think of something more divisive and unhealing than doing an impeachment. It's just vindictiveness. It's ridiculous. Or, as Ted Cruz says, it's petty. That's how they view an attempt to hold a president accountable for an actual attack on the United States Capitol. The second only attack of that edifice in history. The last being, of course, shortly after the country was even brought into being. Why are we doing this? So in as much as they're incapable of standing up to the guy who they allowed to usurp an entire political party in this country, and since we really only have two, it makes uh, us an extraordinarily, again, divided country and a sort of paralyzed country, legislatively paralyzed. And it occurs to me, I'm sure it has to you, that with this 50-50 split in the Senate and a razor-thin margin now in the House, that in just two years' time, the Democrats could lose control of both houses. Yeah, could. Because we also have millions, millions, tens of millions of Americans who follow, love this shameful president past. They're still with them. The cult continues. Amazing. I don't know how we move forward from this. If you have an entire party that, as I said, clearly does not have the courage to do what it should do, does not have the honor to do what it should do, and will take us all down with them. It's really something. Anyway, we have a caller maybe? Maybe somebody in a better mood than me. Hello? Hello, Ed. Uh-oh, you don't sound like you're in a better mood than me. Um, what, it, I just wanted to point out, Tony Norman yesterday nailed it. I what don't know if say? you read his... No, I didn't see it yesterday. What did he say? Well, he... he as very eloquently as he um, normally does, he compared this to 
he said, let's take January 6th and let's crank it back four years. And let's say that there were people in the Capitol with Black Lives Matter signs. And there were people that saying that um, the election was stolen from Hillary Clinton, even though she won the popular vote, yada, yada, yada. He nailed it. It's you got to go back and take a look at it. Um, and it, it put it in total perspective, showing the hypocrisy of these uh, Republicans, these, these elected officials that still after that happened on the 6th, went in there and <laughs> objected to the election results. And that's what really I can't figure out. I just can't fathom that. But um, if you have a chance, go back and take a look. All at right. That, I it's, will. It's nailed. He nailed it. They're cowards. They're cowards, and they're looking out only for their own political futures. Well, geez, this is my job, and it pays well, and I don't have to work all that hard, and I'll be damned if I'm giving that up. I have a wife and children to support, and it gives me status. And no, I won't. I don't care if the country's going to come apart. The scary part of it is the majority of them will probably be reelected. Yes. That's what I'm saying, and maybe even more, and maybe even more. Okay, you take care. (laughs) You too. You too. Bye. Um, What did I hear? I mean, maybe you guys already knew this, but somehow this had this one little fact had uh, escaped my notice. Um, On January sixth, that that mob quickly made its way to the Senate Parliamentarian's office. Now, let's, I mean, the Capitol is a heck of a big place, and it's like a labyrinth. I mean, it's not easy to know your way around it. The the Senate Parliamentarian's office is a small space, it is off the beaten path. It is deep within that building. But why would they go to that? How would they know to go to that, where it was? And why would they? They would because that is where the electoral college votes that were being counted, the count they, the, the mob was trying to stop had been stored. So they had the knowledge that the ballots were there in this, you know, not on any tourist map is it pointed out this is the parliamentarians. They knew exactly where and they went for it. And they ransacked that office looking for the ballots which, thank God, the some smart, clear-headed staff had grabbed and moved away. So what do we make of the fact that these people knew where to go? That's not a spontaneous uprising. And so we, again, remember, 
that one of the organizers said that they had met with three members of the House. Now there is um, some information that the night before, I believe at the Trump Hotel, there was a meeting with three Republican senators in uh, in attendance. That's not been confirmed, but it wouldn't be surprising. And then you hear that some of the Democrats in Congress are actually fearful that some of their Republican colleagues could kill them. It's not silly. We had one trying to bring a gun onto the House floor the other day. The They know that members of the House who have obvious access to that floor have even called for the assassination of Democrats, called for the assassination of Democrats. Specifically, this QAnon creep, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Remember that name. She needs to be expelled from the Congress of the United States. Republican of Georgia. Last year, on Twitter, she supported a comment that said, a bullet to the head would be quicker to remove House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So, (laughs) I don't know how a government functions with... um, traitors and insurrectionists already inside the very apparatus of the government, in the Senate, uncensured, in the House, uncensured. And the fear that some Democrats feel I suspect is nowhere near the fear that these cowardly Republicans feel. Because not only are they looking to their own interests here as opposed to the nation's interests, they know they fed this mob with their lies. And they know that their voters, the base of their party, believes those lies. And now to stand up to them and suggest that, well, it really wasn't all uh, true, is to put a target on their backs. And when you're talking about a target on your back and the fear of 
who might be gunning for you is a Trump voter, (laughs) you have reason to worry because they do have guns and they are crazed with their passion, their grievance, their certainty that their country has been taken from them and they're ready to kill. We've seen that now. So Republicans are not standing up because they're actually afraid they'll be killed by the very people who elected them. One former Republican said that either the Republicans find the courage to stand up or their party will become an American Hezbollah. That's correct. That's what it's, that is what it's becoming. Or you could argue that, I'm not using the right uh, tense, that's what it has become, an American Hezbollah terrorist organization pretending to be a governing organization. So, uh, Ohio's Republican Senator Ron Portman, right, has said, I can't take this anymore, and he's He's decamping. He was up for re-election next year, 22. And I got to tell you, my gut tells me that Portman is decamping because he was afraid of being primaried. He ain't no moderate. He is a tried and true conservative. But he isn't quite insane like some of them. And it could be he just couldn't. He was afraid. He better get out while the getting's good. So that leaves an open seat in Ohio that will not have an incumbent. Portman running. Is this an opportunity for the Democrats to take another Senate seat? Probably not. We're talking about Ohio, which has become, as Georgia actually gave us Biden as president, Ohio most certainly did not. Ohio voted quite clearly for four more years of Donald Trump. And who, unfortunately, in all likelihood, will run for the Senate now to replace Portman? Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan. Probably one of the most repulsive Republicans. And that's saying something currently in the Congress. Jim Jordan. The Trump party loves this guy. 
He is a total, he is a, he's high up in the Trump party. And so Ohio, in all likelihood, is going to send Jim Jordan to the Senate. And that's just one seat. I can see seats changing hands. Republicans who are elected will increasingly be from the crazy, crazyville part of the party because the sane part of the party is shrinking as I speak. So looking forward, unfortunately, the House and the Senate will probably end up being populated by more and more of the real Trumpian Hezbollah types. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Here's a former uh, Republican congressman uh, named Riggleman. And he says uh, that You've got state parties. Oh, my God. The Republican state parties, including in this state, have gone full-blown lunatics, embracing every conspiracy theory there is. They're going even full QAnon. They are saying that that riot, that insurrection, was a false flag operation, and they are sticking with that, that it was Democrats or Antifa or somebody else. And this Riggleman guy says crazy has started to metastasize at every single level in the GOP. And... It's not receding. It's growing. So we can feel like maybe Trump is gone. But boy, look what he left. Look what he left us. And they're as fervent as ever. I've got a caller. Caller, go ahead. Morning, Hello? Roger. Good morning. What? Here's Hi. Here's a delay. Can you hear okay. me? Okay. There's a All delay. Right. There's no beep. I don't know what's going on. Yes. Okay. Hello. Hey. Um, so anyway, you know, I read something. I don't know if it, was, if it was in a book, and I can't. I wish I could tell you who wrote this, but the guy said he was a politician that said, "I do not want the middle. I just need one third of the people." who are willing to kill and we will get power. And I believe that's what you're seeing. Yeah. Well, that's not, I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, the rest of us are thinking democracy as usual. We can't all agree to, we can agree to disagree, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not good enough. We got to be willing to get nasty and shitty. And I, I I don't know about you, but I don't want to do that. But, um, well, look, I mean, you already see, um, I don't know. I, I 
if we play nice, the Democrats play nice, will that in any way change Republicans' behavior? It'll only empower them more to be the jerks they are. If we play rough, if we act as if we won and we have power, the power to change rules, the power to do this and that, I think, given the fact that we might only have two years, I think we damn well better use it. It's interesting you say that because because um, one of the things I was going to bring up was something about Pat Toomey because I wrote to him a lot the past couple of years and every time he kept backing up Trump and yeah. my last correspondence with with him was about the third Supreme Court justice you know you know, you 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 you, ha- you made us wait over a year when when Obama's last choice but you pushed this woman through he says. And his response was, we had a, um, uh, a mandate from the people because we had, they rationalized, they had a mandate because they controlled the Senate. Basically, <laughs> the well, they didn't know, have a mandate. We've got the mandate. Well, that was going back. They haven't well, even we, won a national election. I mean, more American support the policies of the Democratic Party. Americans don't want these clowns. First of all, you know what? Republicans don't even have an agenda. Their agenda is just to cripple government, to give Vladimir Putin everything he wants, to give corporate America everything it wants, and to keep uh, keep a jackboot on the necks of American workers. I, what is their plan? They've never had a plan. They don't have a plan for anything. They only know their, how to stop things. Their plan is power and greed, and and and, and you know, and I don't understand their followers because I know a lot of them, obviously, and they're not idiots, but they still go along. And I guess it's all about guns. I don't know. No, it's about guns and it's about uh, it's about uh, bigotry. It's about guns and it's about uh, white power. Whether they realize that's what it is or not, they. And I'll tell you some other things. I mean, I think uh, the the Democrats and their left have um, done things that are gifts to the Republicans, because while the Republicans have no programs to offer people, what they do have is they peddle resentment at what Democrats do. And and that is is the culture war. That is. Isn't that awful? I mean, isn't that like, it's like, is that your, is that your leadership? I mean, you couldn't run a business that way. You know, I mean, well, you, you, it ain't a you business. Gotta produce. And, and, and it ain't a business. Like the vaccine, you know, Trump would say, nobody wants to say I brought us the vaccine and now the states are screwing up because they can't get people vaccinated. Well, they didn't even, he didn't give it, get that right. We don't have enough vaccine because he wouldn't implement the um, executive or the order for emergencies. So, they failed in so many ways, but if you're if you're going to win just based on what you stated, I I, when it, I don't know what you do with that. I don't well, know what you do with that. 
Well, I don't know either, but we are, we are, uh, we have these Republicans, Trumpers, and um, this is, I don't know, I I don't, they're never going to cooperate or, um, or help in any way to govern because they don't, that's not what they're about. That's not what they're there for. Uh, They're there to trip Democrats up and get their power back. And so we need to play rough. And I'm afraid that Joe Biden, you know, he hasn't been in the Senate for a long, long time. And since he was in the Senate, it has changed quite a bit. So that you have most of the Senate now, or a huge chunk of the Senate, They've come the in. Normal. The new normal. Yeah, That's all they know. yeah, yeah. They they think this is how you you do it with vituperation and and uh, you know and and attempting to you know just block everything where you don't govern you simply fight and that's what we got populating that that party especially now and if Biden thinks that there's a way to talk to these people or that they'll like. Uh, what come in any way compromise i mean he's he's in fantasy land i'm sorry he's in fantasy land so quick quick question i'm sorry yeah oh was that clarence yesterday on the phone yes where was where is that what i missed him where has Clarence been? I haven't heard him in, in a year. No, he's he's popped up a few times here and there. He has uh, told me that he's since the pandemic, he's found himself on a different kind of schedule, so he's usually asleep when the okay. show. All right. I was worried. I was worried. I was glad. I no, was no, glad he's fine. He's fine. Just as snarky as ever, doing his bad puns, and that's that's yeah. He's and he and Susan have a thing on on Facebook, uh, and and so I, if he does call, he tends to call when she's on. So oh, that's what that uh, is. Hey, thanks. Okay. I, okay. okay. I want to um, thank you, Roger. I I, I want to share just a few little snapshots, things we should we should know, and and so we aren't kidding ourselves who the Republicans are. Um, I was mentioning Ohio uh, next door. There is a Ohio Republican member of the Senate there who has questioned quite openly whether, in his words, members of the colored population were disproportionately getting COVID-19 because of their lack of hygiene. Yeah. Okay. That's, there's Trump's party right there. And guess what? I'm only telling you that because he, that person, has now been appointed to lead the state's Senate Health Committee. This is when Republicans rule. The head of the Senate Health Committee in Ohio believes that colored people are getting COVID because of their poor 
hygiene. Wow. 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 Another Republican, Nikki Haley, who a lot of people think will be the 2024 nominee. I don't think there's a basis for impeachment. Now they're going to turn around and bring about impeachment, yet they say they're for unity. I mean, at some point, I mean, give the man a break. Give Donald Trump a break. My understanding is there are still like marks on the Capitol from this invasion. And, you know, not even a month, a month later, hear Republicans saying, hold him accountable? Give the man a break? A break is what he's been given all his life. And he has left nothing but destruction in his wake. So there's Nikki Haley, and she followed that by saying, move on. That's right. Don't look. Don't look at what we just wrought. Do not look at what our lies have resulted in. Move on. And they cannot be allowed to do that. Now, I mentioned that, you know, Democrats have an incredible ability spurred on by our left flank um, to give Republicans the ammo that they then use to uh, stoke the rage, the grievance and fear of their base. And here, this came through my Twitter account, and I thought, oh, for God's sakes. I mean, you, stop and think of everything that uh, that the institutions in this country have to deal with right now. I mean, <laughs> I don't have to delineate. or We are a nation in such trouble, in a world in such trouble. Too many crises to even enumerate. And here is a little piece. This has to do with the San Francisco School Board. Now, I can bet, I can bet you that there aren't many Trumpers on the San Francisco School Board. These would be Democrats, right? After a seven-hour meeting, the San Francisco School Board voted to rename 44 schools. Actually, that's more than a third of all the schools in San Francisco. They're scrubbing the names of one-third of the schools, including Lincoln, including Washington, including apparently a school named after Senator Feinstein. Now, if anyone thinks that that is what 
that school district and that board should be spending time on now, you'd have to be out of your mind. They're scrubbing Lincoln, Washington, Feinstein. This is the kind of exactly what allows the Republicans to do this, you know, cancel culture thing. And I'm and, and I have the same reaction. Can we get on to is, is there a capacity to prioritize here? To play smart? Jeez. That might be something you get around to when you have the luxury of getting the pandemic under control and kids back in all your schools and the curriculum fixed. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine. I don't know what the San Francisco public schools are, are like, but if they're like a lot of public schools, they're, they're hurting. And this is not what a school board should be doing. But this is what happens when our party lets our crazies take over. All right. Well, let's see. Oh, I have one more little thing of a a, a Republican um, office holder. <laughs> I don't, you can't even, you again, you, you can't make this up. Okay, this is the great state of Alaska, guys. Um, somebody reported that they saw a, a, a truck with a vanity license plate that said Three Reich, you know, Third Reich. And there was uh, an effort to, you know, how did the how did the state uh, DMV approve that uh, plate? That's an outrage. But one woman in a position to do so, because she sits on the state commission that investigates discrimination complaints, she rose to defend the Third Reich. She, her name is Jamie uh, Allard, and uh, she said that you can't know what that means. She says, you know, the correct the correct translation of Reich is realm, and it could be that this means nothing about Nazis or anything. She sits on the committee dealing with discrimination complaints, and she thinks the Third Reich on a plate is just fine and dandy, sort of like the Republican health guy heading Ohio's you know, Senate Health Committee, a flat-out racist idiot who clearly knows nothing about why the pandemic is is having its way in minority neighborhoods more perhaps than in white majority neighborhoods and of course the answer is systemic racism oh god so
I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I do despair. Thank God I came upon this quote from, I believe, President Biden's, um, one of his Irish poets that he loves, Seamus Haney. <clears throat> and and he said this, and we should take it to heart. If we winter this one out, we can summer anywhere. And that quote seems to truly fit. <laughs> Again, if there's any rays of, of hope that you can conjure, if we winter this one out, we can summer anywhere. Speaking of wintering this out, so the the uh, county put out this thing yesterday that um, they had more vaccine and you could sign up here, there, and blah, blah, blah. And so the race was on again. And I I actually tried. I had two friends of mine who volunteered to try for me. So with the three of us working to get an appointment on our work on our computers, we came up with nothing. Every place we went, you go through this amazingly long thing of, no, I'm not pregnant. Will I be pregnant? No, I don't think there's a big chance of that. Uh, my mother's maiden name, my this, my that. You have to fill all this stuff out. And then they let you get to the appointment part. And by the time you get to the appointment part, here's what it says after every slot. Unavailable, 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 unavailable. Every once in a while, one will pop up available. <clears throat> if somebody, I guess, cancels or something. And so you jump on that unavailable. <laughs> and do you know what? It was occurring to me. The, stre the stress you feel when you're doing this is, I mean, you feel it. You f your heart is racing. Uh, you know, every time you're, you, you hit a wrong key, you're like, oh, oh, and trying to get it. Be because, again, here it is. It's that thing like you're doing this, to, you know, so you can stay alive. And all of us, again, pitted against each other, desperately trying. So, this is so effed up. It's unbelievable. And I keep saying, I'm not going to play the game. And then I get bang in front of me. Slots available from Allegheny County. And bang, I'm back in the, I'm, you know, and I can't do what some people do, which is like, I guess, sleep with their computers <laughs> and have rigged it so that, you know, sirens go off if anything comes on. And, and if it's two in the morning, they'll, I, I, I don't know. I can't do it. I can't do it. But boy, this is a mess. And you are aware that Pennsylvania is, uh, is not doing really well. The last number I saw, we are 34 among the states in terms of um, getting the vaccine. 
out and in. <laughs> uh, so I really, I don't want to play the game, but I do want a vaccination. So I don't know. In a time when we're all as stressed out as we are, just adding another layer of stress on is really, really rough. My, um, you know, congratulations to those of you who, who scored. Uh, someone emailed me and said that he found that the Veterans Administration, the VA hospital, had, had some. If you're a veteran, so I'll pass that on. You can run the scramble, and and it's too late because by the time I'm telling you, believe me, it's too late. Here's something that's not too late, and I can tell you something that you can do. I don't know about you, but part of one of the things I've done during this uh, enforced isolation is, you know, watched a lot more television than I, I normally would. And I've watched uh, a documentary about Nina Simone, and there was also something on Masterpiece. No, I don't know. Some PBS show in which Nina Simone figured uh, quite a bit last week. And I am blown away by this woman. Unbelievable. If you don't, know her music or her life story uh seek out the the um the documentary or just go and listen to the music what a miraculous wondrous brave tough human being Anyway, I bring her up because I see that the August Wilson Center has um, scheduled one of their virtual concerts so that the musicians are live from the center and you are comfortably in your home and uh, in indulging in whatever you want to indulge in. And this is that new uh, virtual series that they're putting out called the AW, August Wilson Studio Sessions. And they're on the first Thursday of every month. So February is is nearing. It's, it's coming in. And so February, February 4th is the next concert. And um, it is titled, I Got Life, the music of Nina Simone. And um, so it will be her music. I'm assuming some talk about her importance, musically, politically, in every way. And the two people who do this is a singer, Carol Riddick, and um, musician Gerald Veasley. And uh, they've gotten rave reviews um, when they've done these concerts. Uh, so 
if that sounds like a good way to spend some time sitting in front of your uh, TV, listening to a live concert, uh, celebrating the music of this extraordinary woman, Nina Simone, then what you need to do is go to uh, the August Wilson Center site, which is um, AACC slash AWC dot org, not slash uh, hyphen. AACC, well, you know, all you have to do is put August Wilson Center in and it'll come up and you can buy your tickets um, online. Actually, you can buy tickets at awc.culturaldistrict.org. Okay, awc.culturaldistrict.org. I got that right. And I'll, I'll uh, flag that for you a few more times um, in case you want to. I'm definitely going to do that. I'm, I'm sorry that I can't tell you how much tickets are. I mean, I'm sure there's some cost, uh, but I think that would be a, a pretty wonderful way to to spend some time and not feel like you're wasting it. God, I'm back to doing jigsaw puzzles, and I've decided that I'm not wasting time doing it uh, because quite clearly it does make you think, <laughs> problem solve. And for somebody like me, where whatever part of the side of the brain it is that does spatial things and, uh, and color, I, I'm not very good. And so it forces me to use, I think, parts of my brain that I'm not, this is my, this is what I'm telling myself when I spend three hours staring at this impossible thing and every once in a while moment finding a piece that fits so um but this is actually it's a it's a i have to tell you this it is a painting it's a puzzle uh of a of a van gogh uh painting and I don't know anything about art and about um, painting. I, I can't myself, never did. And one of, I've appreciated Van Gogh's work, um, obviously, but in having to deal with it at this micro level of looking for a little line that he put here which you wouldn't think would be there or a, a all of a sudden a little splash of slight tint of red in a sea of, of brown. Where, why would that have been? There? I mean, you start to get an appreciation of how complex, how extraordinary His art is, and I'm sure that's true of any, you know, artist. I mean, you just, you're blown away when you're forced to truly slow down. You know, I don't know about you, but I walk through art museums like, I might every once in a while stop and stand in front of one, but I, I don't stand for more than a, if I stand for one minute in front of a piece of art, that's amazing for me. 
because I'm not taking in that kind of intricacy. I'm just not. But at this level, I I am. And uh, I'm humbled by it. And I just want to say this, having used the word humbled. Did we always, was the thing that when you are given an honor, was it always the thing to say I'm humbled by this? Because it now seems to be the thing you absolutely have to say. So you're given an honor, and the first things you're supposed to say are, I'm humbled. And it strikes me as disingenuous. I, I don't like it because as somebody who's gotten an honor or two here and there, I have to tell you, the first thing you feel when you get honored is not humility. <laughs> it's not. It's quite the opposite. It's like, whoa, what a man. It's pride. It's absolutely, that's the honest reaction. I'm here to tell you. That's the honest reaction. Wow. Ha ha. Look what I did. And then you get up and say, I'm humbled. I don't think, I don't think that that's what many people genuinely feel. I'm just, I'm just saying. Maybe in reflection many times later, maybe they come up with a, a dose of, wow, I can't believe me, 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 little old me. But still, that's tinged with pride. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, I'm sorry. I have been, I'm starting to think I need a vacation again because I think I've been um, blathering more than doing a show last, well, certainly this week. And I want to uh, apologize. It's not that I'm, I mean, I'm doing the same prep that I think I'm supposed to do. And maybe it's this, this letdown or trying to find my footing in the post-Trump era. I don't know. But um, I, I do want to say in all humility <laughs> that I feel like uh, the last few shows have been a pretty crappy. Okay. And I'm sorry. And I'll try to, you know, get my game up. A little bit. All right, that's it for me. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm gonna go run around it. Please. I'm kidding. Okay, I'm gonna go do my puzzle. Goodbye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.